0: Everybody love Jesus, say amen. amen. All right. I know he loves us. How about those fathers last week? How would you think that was? Amen. I thought they did a great job. We appreciate that. Uh, and next Sunday, uh, next week, our children will be going off to camp. And so next Sunday, Brother Robert Martin will be here speaking. He usually speaks to the kids at camp and usually comes and As a Sunday morning before they leave or the Sunday after they leave. He'll be here next week. Today I want to talk about, as she said, fools. And We're in the book of Ecclesiastes. and We're just taking it a chapter a time, not going real deep in it. Just hitting the high spots. And so I want you to follow along with me in chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes, verses 1 through 15. Let's read together. As dead flies. Give perfume a bad smell. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. That's a political verse, somebody (laughs) said. (laughs) Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post calmness, can lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it's charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning their words are folly, at the end they are wicked madness. And fools utterly multiply words. No one knows what is coming, but who can tell someone else what will happen after them? The toll of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. Each country has its own special days. We have special holidays and days that some days we get off of work and some days are just something that we're to commemorate something that's a has an impact on our country, on our individual lives. For example, we have national observances like New Year's Day, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, national holidays like that. We have some holidays that honor and recognize people like Washington's birthday, Martin Luther King Day, Columbus Day, even Mother and Father's Day. We have some days that are religious in nature because of our Christian heritage. We have Easter, we have Christmas, and we have other days that are on our calendar that I'm not sure exactly what all of them are for, Groundhog Day, Valentine's Day, <laughs> Earth Day, April Fool's Day. You know, I tried to look up and see where that came from because I was curious, I, I didn't know where it came from. and. Couldn't really find anything too much. I felt like a fool. Uh, some say it started in 1582 in France. Could, a, could be. It's a day of merriment, a day where you pull pranks and practical jokes and try to fool people, and then you say April fools, let them in on the joke, and everybody's happy or aggravated. I don't know. Uh, but this world is full of fools. Amen. Uh, if you mean by fool, not very bright, gullible, do not think. Uh, That's one thing. Will Rogers, he said this, common sense is not as common anymore as it used to be. One man said, I've gone, he he told his buddy, I went yesterday to take an IQ test. He said, what did they discover? He said, it came out negative. Uh, So anyway, I don't know, uh, but here's some fools. Let me give you an example. These are people that write in about their brother, their sister, their roommate, friend in school or whatever, uh, to show you just how little sometimes people think, here's one. He said, My sister finally gave up trying to make Kool Aid because she kept try- making a mess putting three cups of water in that little Kool Aid packet. Uh, My roommate tried to boil water on low for 20 minutes. She said she didn't like using the high burner because it turned red and she thought that might be dangerous. <laughs> My brother stared at the mirror for 10 minutes because he could not figure out why his hair was parted on a different side. Um, (laughs) One girl said, I had a co-worker that would not put gas in her car until it was on empty because she didn't want to waste the gas that was already in the tank. Uh, One guy said, I showed my sister some Cheerios and told her those were donut seeds, and she believed that. Uh, my friend ordered Monterey Ranch Chicken at Wendy's Drive-Thru, and she was looking at the ticket that came out, and it said M.R. Chicken. So she told the person, said, take this back, you've got my order wrong. I didn't order Mr. Chicken, I ordered Monterey Ranch Chicken. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of fools and foolish things in this world. During the, the California Gold Rush, when they were going out there to discover gold, some people got their hopes up and were all excited because they thought they would hit it rich, they would struck gold and their life would never be the same. And then they found out it was fool's gold, pyrite, which is iron disulfide, sulfide, uh, worth absolutely nothing. Solomon uses the word fool or fools or foolish or folly many, many different times. In the book of Proverbs, he uses the word fools 99 times. And uh, so we're going to look at fools today and... Solomon, of course, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, too, and he had a lot to say about it in this one, too. So we're going to look at three things in this chapter, foolish leaders or rulers, foolish workers, people on the job, and foolish words and what they can do to us. Let's look at the foolish ruler. We're covering verses 4 through 7, but let's start here. There's many sides of foolishness. The word folly is used nine times here, and it means basically the behavior, the actions of somebody that's foolish. It's folly, what, what the word is they use there. Now, it's interesting because uh, verse 1, we've all heard that old saying, a little fly can spoil the ointment or whatever. It basically says what he's trying to say as he's starting out here is just a little bit of foolishness can spoil a lot of good, a lot of good things. All it takes is a little bit. Uh, people can live a great life and have one foolish act and it can mess up everything they, they live for just about. I think of Moses. Moses was the meekest man ever lived. Moses was a man that stood in the gap and interceded for the nation of Israel. God ready to wipe them out two or three times. He said, no, don't do it. And God stopped. Uh, he, was a, he was a great man. He was called by God. He raised his staff as God told him to and the Red Sea parted. And they walked across on dry land. But a little later in his life after they'd been through the wilderness he raised his hand and his staff and hit a rock instead of speaking to it like God told him to and it cost him a trip into the land of Canaan where they'd been doing all for the last 40 years trying to get his people to the promised land. And God says, you're not going. Just one foolish act of not thinking and or thinking and making a bad decision can ruin a lot of good things. We looked at it when we read verse 2 it said, uh, I, I often thought about it it was a political verse it said those who lean to the right are the good ones those that lean to the left uh, are, are not good ones they're the fools uh, and it said in verse, verse 3 that we can see it very clearly it's very easy to see uh, somebody that's doing foolish things. Now, Solomon's talking about the heart here. He's not talking about the organ that pumps blood throughout your body. He's talking about the center of our being, our will, and the decisions we make. You either go to the left or the right. I didn't know this. In 1998, Burger King came out with a little saying. It was a hoax, really. They had come up with a left handed whopper, <laughs> and it was a joke. But tens of thousands of people went there to order a left-handed whopper. They were trying to appeal to the 32 million left-handed people, customers. And so they said, we've got a left-handed whopper. The, the lettuce and tomato was shifted 180 degrees or something like that on it. And people come asking to have that whopper. And some people that were right-handed were mad because they didn't have a right-handed whopper. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's a lot of foolish things. When he talks about your right hand, the right hand in the Bible is the place of power and honor. The left hand, or the left side, is the place of weakness and rejection. Jesus went back and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus said in Matthew 25, He's going to look at those on the left. After He separates, He's going to look at those on the left before He apportions their place in hell. Uh, So it's, it's a little bit of a play on words, but something that had more meaning to them than sometimes what we think about. But I want to talk about foolish rulers, God and foolish rulers for just a moment. One of the most controversial things in our life is, why do we have people leading that are foolish? Uh, (laughs) We've asked that question many times. Let me just say some things that's hard for us to grasp, but the Bible declares these things. God has the power to install, put in, or take out rulers. According to Daniel 2, 20 and 21, listen to this right here. And he said praise be to the name of God forever and ever wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He, de- he deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So a lot of times God puts people in position and for a particular reason. Here's another thing about rulers. Because remember most of this book was written under ungodly rulers. And uh, it's just it's amazing. God and ungodly rulers, whatever they are, they're still under God's authority, according to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. We're all supposed to be uh, subject to the government. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Every authority, even the communistic dictators, that doesn't mean God approves of it, but God allows it for various reasons we'll see in just a second. Uh, But there's still the the concept of government is under the authority of the God. The authorities that exist have been established by God. The Bible also says God raises up evil rulers at times to chastise his people. Amen. Habakkuk 1.6, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless, impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. He said, I've got them for a purpose for you, Israel. And, they're, and it's, it's to spank y'all, it's to discipline you. So in other words, God's sovereign, he's in control, even when there's ungodly or foolish rulers in control, still God, there's no promises that God made that will go unfulfilled. There's no prophecies God made that's not going to be fulfilled. God's still sovereign, he's in control, He's, he's, he's in charge of things. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it. Wherever he wishes. Those are hard things for us to swallow and grasp. But that's just the way it is. There's a lot of foolish stuff that's going on in our country. Uh, Things that we don't understand. Things that we can't comprehend. Things that our parents and grandparents would roll over in their grave. It's just, I read the other day, uh, 20 to 30 million dollars a year is spent now, I don't know how you, how much you believe this or not, but it's up to you. I, I have trouble believing it, but it could be. 20 to $30 million a year is spent by the government just on extraterrestrial research or looking for extraterrestrials from another planet. I mean, there may be some things in another planet. I don't think so, but there may be. But I'm more concerned about the nuts on this planet <laughs> and trying to deal with that more than some other planet. I get news uh, paper articles and, and things every day of the, of the week on what's going on around the world and our country, and it's just utter foolishness. Sometimes I just I can't read it because it makes me too aggravated. But we've we've all know that we're going through a time where uh, we're battling. Can can you choose what gender you want to be? Now it's this is not just something. This article was about England, uh, but it was, it's here in America too. Pe- young kids are choosing to be not just a boy or a girl. They're choosing to be a cat or a dog or a dinosaur or whatever. And they, this, this article in, in Great Britain that said if, if you've got somebody that identifies as a cat or a dog, you have to honor that. And if you don't, then you're discriminating and you could be reprimanded. you lose your job. Whenever you have a problem you're working out and then they raise their hand to answer the problem, they may say, meow.
1: <laughs> if, it,
0: if it wasn't so evil, and, uh, it would be funny. Uh, but I, I think about it. We, we're living amongst a bunch of fools. That's all I can say. It's just absolutely foolishness. But it's a sign of ungodliness too. But we're supposed to obey and submit to the government until the government comes between us and our God and we're going with God. And we're going to follow the Lord and we're going to obey God and not man. But here's two reasons rulers are foolish, he says, in, in this passage of Scripture. These are two examples of what a foolish ruler is. Number, in verse 4, pride and anger. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness may lay great offenses to rest. What he's saying, a foolish ruler is somebody that has no control. they got a lot of pride, and they they get mad. They they don't like to be corrected. They don't like to be challenged. They will do whatever they have to do. It doesn't matter how much evidence proves they're wrong. They're going to steal. They're stubborn and and rebellious, and they're going to do it their own way. That's pride. The greatest example of pride, there's a lot of them in the Bible, of a ruler was King Saul. King Saul was one of the most proud men in the world. Let me give you a little story. I'm going to condense it. He had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan was David's best buddy. They were good friends. They had a relationship, a covenant with each other. But he was his son. He was a great warrior. He was a great fighter. One day while they were fighting the Philistines, they were taking a break. Uh, Jonathan took his armor bearer, went out there and went looking for some Philistines himself. And he saw some. And he said, well, well, there ain't many of us here, just me and you, but the Lord can deliver with a lot or a little. He said, now, we're going to go there, and if those guys say, uh, get out of here, then we ain't going to go mess with them. But if they say, come on, if you want us, come get some of us, then we're going, he said, because that's the sign God said, go get them. And they went, and the the Philistines said, come on here, we want some of y'all. They went in there, and he wiped out 20 and a half acre of land. He was a good man, good warrior. Anyway, his daddy was a nut. His daddy one day had the 600 of the army were there, and he said, all right, we're trying to finish these Philistines off. Nobody can eat anything until the battle's over, and we've, we've done this work. So take an oath. They had to all take an oath. They wouldn't eat anything. Well, Jonathan wasn't even there to hear that oath. Anyway, he comes along a little bit later, and they get ready to go, and he said, let's go get them. And some of the priests said, well, we, we don't want to go without God directing. He said, right, well, call on the Lord. And God didn't answer. He said, well, there's something wrong. So he said, it's either us or somebody out there sin in the camp somewhere, or God would have told us something to do. Anyway, make a long story short, they kept rolling the dice, casting lots. It came back to Saul and Jonathan, something there. And he said, oh, they rolled them again. And it pointed to Jonathan. And he said, have you done something wrong? And Jonathan said, the only thing I did wrong is... I ate some honey. And somebody tells me you made, a, made everybody take an oath they couldn't eat anything. I, did, I wasn't even here for the oath, and I ate some honey out there, and it revived me. So that's what I did wrong. He said, then you're going to die. He was going to kill his son because he broke an oath that he didn't even know existed. And the people said, no, you're not. <laughs> and they come against him. But that, that is an example of a fool. Somebody that makes stupid decisions and will not change because of their pride no matter how stupid it is. Here's a second type of a foolish ruler. It's somebody that is pliable and weak. Look at verses uh, 5 through 7. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of air that rises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. Now, here's what he's saying: Another foolish ruler is somebody who's not good at making decisions. They can, they're not a good. Uh, they can't pick out the good characteristics in people. They have fools in high positions, and they have smart, intelligent people in low positions. They they've got people in the wrong position. That's what he's saying. That's a foolish leader. That's another one I can give you a good example of that. Is something like somebody like Jonathan? I mean uh, Solomon's son. Rehoboam. When Solomon died, Rehoboam's going to be the next king. And you know, like Solomon, when he started out, he said, God, I just want wisdom to lead these people. And God gave him wisdom and wealth. Well, Rehoboam, when he's getting ready to start off his reign, he says, he went to the elders and he said, tell me this, what do I need to do to do a good job as the king? And they said, if you want to do a good job as a king, what you need to do They've been under heavy taxation for a long time. Your daddy had a lot of building projects and put a lot of taxes on the people. If you'll lower their taxes, they'll follow you to the end of the earth. They'll love you forever. That's what the elders told him. He took that advice and went over to the youngsters and said, what do y'all think I ought to do? And they said, if if it was me, I'd tax them more. I'd put a heavy hand on them. I'd, I'd, I'd rule them with an iron fist. DON'T LET THEM GET AWAY WITH ANYTHING. HE SAID, I THINK I'LL TAKE THAT ADVICE. WASN'T VERY SMART. AND IT CAUSED REALLY, THAT WAS ONE OF THE MAIN REASONS IT CAUSED THE KINGDOM TO BE DIVIDED BETWEEN JUDAH AND ISRAEL. BECAUSE HE he WAS NOT A GOOD JUDGE OF CHARACTER. DIDN'T MAKE GOOD, WISE DECISIONS. SO, FOOLISH RULERS. WE SOMETIMES HAVE TO SUFFER THE CONSEQUENCES OF FOOLISH PEOPLE IN HIGH PLACES. Here's another situation he's going to deal with in this chapter. Foolish workers. Now, there are fools on the job too. You know that, don't you? Uh, (laughs) Foolish things can happen on the job. Let's look at careless workers in verse 8 and 9. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones shall be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. Okay, he's talking about people on the job that don't think. They make decisions that are not good decisions. They're foolish decisions. They're careless. They're the type of people that, that keep the uh, emergency room busy because they do a lot of things that, uh, without thinking, and they destroy themselves, destroy property and everything. He said they're fools at the workplace. Now, I'm going to show you some clips here in just a second. Uh, All of us men can relate to this, because if you've ever been on the work, and we've all made bad mistakes, only thing today, everybody's got a camera, and everybody's got it on their phone, and they film everything, so you can't get away with anything, but I'm going to show you an example of some foolish workers for just a second. (laughs) Ha 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 This guy has to have a new job after this one. I think he destroyed the whole building in one. (laughs) there are plenty of fools on the job I tell you that's usually funny to men. Some men like the three stooges. Uh, women usually don't. Uh, and that's one reason we do. We just like it. I don't know if we can identify with it for some reason. Uh, but he talks about a number of foolish things on the workplace. He said in verse 8, One man was digging a pit and fell into it. Another one was remodeling or doing something got bit by a snake. One man was quarrying stones. Stones fell on him. Another man's cutting wood with a dull axe. Uh... Just foolish, because you know i've always been told a, a dull knife will cut you quicker than a sharp knife because you have to work so hard to to get it to cut something, but a wise worker is somebody that works smarter, not just harder. He talks about a man charming a snake uh, and things like that there's some things that are foolish that I can laugh at and because I know, especially if I know the people didn't get hurt or anything but now some people do foolish things that i don't i almost I have no sympathy for. I mean, if you're going to climb a mountain without any ropes and you fall, I have a hard time feeling sorry. Somebody's on a skateboard trying to go down uh, something or jump in cars like evil Knievel or something like buses. But I don't feel a lot sorry. That's tempting God or whatever. But uh, foolish things on the workplace is, is a problem. Foolish things in high positions like rulers isn't a problem. And then he says this final thing is foolish talkers in verses 12 through 15. Now, the tongue, we're going to talk about the tongue a little bit, is probably one of the greatest weapons, most perplexing things that we have to deal with. Uh, two of the Ten Commandments had to do with your tongue. Don't take God's name in vain, and don't bear false witness, which lie, or tell a lie or whatever. There are two times in the Bible where Jesus sighed. He went two times. It says in Mark chapter 8, verse 12, when the Jews asked him for a sign, after he witnessed sign after sign and miracle after miracle, they said, show us a sign and we'll believe. He, he sighed. The second time he sighed was when he's fixing to heal a man that had a, a speech impediment. Going to loose his tongue because he knows whenever he loses this man's tongue, the power of life and death in the tongue. And he knows now He's this guy now has the potential to have a lot of problems. The Pentecostal movement used to call us the tongues movement. But really, the problem we're dealing with here is the movement of our tongue and the problem we have. Uh, Sometimes our words don't mean anything. Sometimes people can talk and say things, and we don't even pay any attention to it. For example, some of you may be on Lunesta. It's supposed to help you sleep. Listen to this. When you want to sleep, do you lie awake? When you go to sleep, do you wake up often? Sleep is here on the wings of Lanesta. Now, maybe a good product, I don't know, but here's what the small print says Until you know how you'll react to Lanesta, you should not drive or operate machinery. Walking, eating, driving, or engaging in other activities while asleep without remembering it the next day have been reported. Other abnormal behaviors include aggressiveness, agitation, hallucinations, and confusion. In depressed patients, worsening of depression includes risk of suicide may occur. These risks may increase if you drink alcohol. Severe allergic reactions such as swelling of the tongue and throat occur rarely and may be fatal. I think I'm going to pass on (laughs) Lanesta. But in other words, we can read that and it doesn't affect us. We don't even pay any attention to it. And some people, their words mean nothing a lot of times because we're going to look at three different foolish people when it comes to their words. Number one, people that use a lot of critical words. Look at verse 12. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. You remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Of course, that's not true, is it? Uh, Words can hurt the Bible says words are the most powerful tools around, either causing good or harm. Uh, there are a lot of examples of people using their words to criticize somebody. Aaron and Miriam uh, criticized Moses, their brother, as said in, in Numbers 12, two, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? You're the only one God speaks to, they ask. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard it. He's got good ears now. And we know what happened, uh, Miriam with her leprosy and so forth. When David came out as a young boy, came out, his father sent him out there to the battlefield where his older brothers were fighting uh, Goliath and the Philistines. They weren't really fighting them. They were watching. He came out there to bring them a sack lunch. And they didn't like it. And Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men when he showed up there and burned with anger at him and said, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You've come out here just to watch the battle. They were mad and criticized him just because it really exposed their cowardice and everything else. Uh, Critical words are something that's part of the early church in Ephesians 4.31. He said, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Being critical and argumentative and everything, uh, it was very much a part of the early church. I'll come back to that Hebrews in just one second, too. You remember uh, Rick's been telling us how much he enjoys and how we ought to read the Sermon on the Mount. And, of course, there's some powerful teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. One of the teachings that most people are confused about, and I'm not saying I've got all the answers to it, but when he talked about Jesus said this, If you look at your brother with anger in your heart, you're you've murdered him. And then he goes on to say, if you say to him, "Raka," you're going to be in danger of the judgment. And then he says, if you call him a fool, hellfire's waiting on you. That scared a lot of people. You mean if I if I call somebody a fool, that word right there, because the Bible uses it hundreds of times. What is he saying? Why is if we call somebody a fool, we could be in danger of going to hell? And I looked and looked and looked at all the different interpretations, everything from some say this is talking about the millennial. Some say this is talking about uh, different, you know, if if you call somebody a fool, that means you're trying to be God and you're saying that person is beyond redemption, uh, beyond they're worthless to the point there's no return for them and things like this. Anyway, it's a very strong very strong word that's used here, and I don't have a clear, strong answer to give you on that. But there are two different people that are constantly going before the throne of God all the time. Jesus is going before the throne because he's interceding for his church. And Satan is going before the, the throne because he's the accuser of the brethren. Well, let me show you something. Look at Hebrews uh Seven twenty-five. Therefore, he is able. Just talking about Jesus here to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Okay, he is our great intercessor. Uh, look at the next the next one there in Revelation twelve ten. This is the other one that goes to the throne. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, "Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters." who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So what I'm saying, you've got Jesus that's interceding for us. You've got the accuser that's trying to tear us down. When you're critical and you're using your tongue to destroy other people, whose side are you joining? Who are you partnering up with? The one that's destroying or the one that's building up Anyway, watch out for critical words. Watch out for uncontrolled words. Look at verse 13 and 14. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell tell someone else what will happen after them? Okay, let's talk about a lot of words or uncontrolled words. James in chapter 3 gives us a big part of that chapter on our tongue and the dangers of the tongue for good and evil. He says, the tongue's like a rudder that can steer a big ship. It's like a bridle in a horse's mouth. You can guide the horse, just that bridle or that bit. He said, it's like a little fire. It can be a good thing, but it can spread out and do a lot of destruction. He said, it's like a little bit of poison. Just a little bit can even bring death. So he said, the tongue seems like it's something small but it has potential for great harm. That's why James said earlier in that book, he said, every man ought to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Proverbs 17, 27 says this, he that hath knowledge spares his words. If you've got wisdom and knowledge, keep your mouth shut best you can. Now, somebody said this, I haven't calculated it out, but somebody did the research, said the average person speaks about speaks enough every day to fill up about 20 typewritten pages. And if, so that means in a month, you would, you would fill up three 200-page books of talking in a month. Three 200-page books. In a lifetime, 50 years, that would be about 1,800 books. That's a big library. In about 70, 75 years, 80, or whatever, however long we live, it would probably be 2,500 to 3,000 books that's a lot of words to have to give an account for, isn't it? because we're going to have to give an account, Jesus said, for every idle word and so forth. So your words are very powerful. Uh, you can listen to somebody speak. Sometimes a politician or somebody, they'll say to a newspaper reporter, this is off the record. They mean that we don't want you to record this or report this. this is, I'm telling you this off the record. Well, with God, nothing's off the record. Everything's on the record. You can you can listen to somebody talk sometimes and tell where they're from. Brother Kerry from Louisiana. I can hear that little bit of Cajun accent in, in it, the way he talks. I used to work with a girl up in Tallahassee. I worked with a girl from Boston. And and uh, of course I was a redneck country bumpkin, but she was telling one day, I gotta go fire to get I get to get the car and go fire uh to the bar or something. I don't know where she's going. I said, What? I said, what did you say? She said, I'm getting, getting the car to go far. I said, what kind of talking is, <laughs> is that? I said, where are you from? She said, Boston. Uh, she said, I can't I tell you what she said about my uh, talking. But anyway, you can hear somebody talking. You can tell where they're from a lot of times. The Bible says you can listen to what comes out of your mouth and tell what's in your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you've got to be very careful. Be careful when your tongue is out of control. And here's the third thing. He said fools can have critical words a lot or uncontrolled words. And here's the third thing. They can have boastful words. Look at verse 14 and 15 there. No one knows what's coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? Somebody. He's talking about boasting and bragging like you know what's going to happen tomorrow or whatever. The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. So when he's talking about a boastful person, he's talking about people that have all the answers, people that know everything. The, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 1, don't boast about tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. A boastful tongue in the eyes of God is not viewed uh, positively. Proverbs twenty-five fourteen says this, whoever boasts himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. The Bible says that's one of the characteristics of the last days. Look what it says in Romans 1.30. Slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. So it says almost the same thing in 2 Timothy 3.2. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, their parents, ungrateful, unholy boastful it's, it's part of a culture that is wise in its own eyes has left god out of the picture there's been some boasters in the bible goliath was boasting whenever david come up to him and he looked at him and he said, was this little punk coming up here just before he lost his head nebuchadnezzar was boasting about his great kingdom and all that he had done and then he was out there in the pasture eating grass like a cow God loves to bring down boasters. He loves to bring down the proud and the arrogant. Don't be foolish with your speech, your talking, your tongue. Foolish rulers, foolish workers, foolish talkers. When I was in high school, there was a song, a soul song, that everybody plays the fool. There's no exception to the rule. It may be factual, may be cruel, but everybody plays the fool. One of my favorite uh, TV shows of years gone by was the Beverly Hillbillies. And Jethro was wh- one of my favorites because he was so dumb. But he was going to be a bri- uh, brain surgeon or whatever he's going to be. Granny said, That boy, so dumb, he couldn't pour sand out of a dude if the directions were written on the heel. And uh, he was not a smart person. The Bible says this. <laughs> uh, the Bible says this. The foolish man builds his house on sand. The wise man builds his house on the rock. Back in 1174, there was an Italian architect named Bonanno Pisano. He built a bell tower. You know it. You've seen it. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. That was built in 1174, whatever it was. They say now that tower is leaning. They've tried to correct it. over. It's it's over 800-something years now, 900-whatever. At the very top, it is 18 feet out of being perpendicular where it should be, 18 feet. Now, they say eventually, they think, I don't think I'm going to, if I ever go there, I ain't going up in it. But uh, they built it because the foundation was not good. It was soft. And, uh, of course, I don't know how they did things back in those days, but that's, that was a result of it. And uh, it was not built on a solid foundation. The Bible says, Jesus said, anybody that builds on the wrong foundation is foolish. Absolutely a fool. Let me give you just a list real quickly as we wind this down. Let me give you some fools. The unbelieving fool, in Proverbs 14:1. the fool says in his heart there's no God. They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. Now, most people read that and they think he's talking about atheists, people that don't believe in God. That's not what he's talking about. He said, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. A fool is somebody that may believe in God, but they live like there is no God. That's a fool. They know better, but it doesn't affect their life in any way. There's no God paying. I'm not going to have to answer any God. God's not paying attention whatever. They live like there's no God. There's a self-righteous fool in Proverbs 12:15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. A self-righteous fool is somebody that you can't tell them nothing. They've got every answer. They're not open to advice. They know it all or whatever. There's the mocking fool in Proverbs 14, 9. Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. In other words, they laugh at sin. They make a mockery of things that we should take very seriously. How many times I've watched comedians and I'll make a mockery of Christians and things of God and get a good laugh out of it? They're making a mockery of things that we should be weeping over. The self-sufficient fool. Romans one twenty-two. Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. Self-sufficient. The biggest fool. Luke twelve sixteen through 21. This is Jesus telling a parable. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've got more money I know what to do with, what he said. Then he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus, surplus grain. For I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with them, whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. That's the key. You're rich in other ways, but you're not rich toward God. That may be the biggest fool of all. They're prepared for life, but they're not prepared for death. Billy Graham, I believe, is the one that said, Nobody's prepared to live unless they're first prepared to die. If if you're not prepared to to die, you can't live. Not the way God wants you to live. There's one type of fool we all need to be. And this is very important. We've been looking at the negative side of fools. But in 1 Corinthians 4.10... This is a fool you need to be. Paul said, we are fools for Christ. But you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. What he's doing is making a mockery there. He says, we are, you want to say what a fool is? I'm a fool for Jesus Christ. Why would he make a statement like that? Because what a fool is is somebody that does things without thinking, or doesn't seem like they're a fool for Christ, does not think like this world thinks. A fool for Christ does not act or behave like this world behaves. A fool for Christ does not believe like the world believes. A fool for Christ does not respond to issues of life like the world responds. They stick out like a sore thumb. Why was Paul a fool for Christ? I'm going to tell you why. Because he said, for me to live is Christ. He served Christ. He said, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. That's why I'm gladly, I'll be a slave or a servant of Christ the rest of my life. That may seem foolish to people. I'll gladly serve him who gave his all for me. He preached Christ. He said, because of the foolishness of preaching, people come to Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he said. I'm a fool. I may look like a fool to you, but I'm not. In in the eyes of God, he suffered for Christ. He counted it an honor to lay down his life for Christ, if that's what it He said, not only for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Pam said at the end of that, or beginning of the song, Jim Elliott, the missionary that died in Ecuador in 1956, the five missionaries that were killed on the field, He said, he's the one that said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So you're either a fool for Christ, or you're a fool. You're either building on a solid foundation, or you're making a foolish example of your life. Let's stand together. you are not prepared to meet Jesus. You're playing the fool right now. If you think you got tomorrow, if you think you got next week, next year, you're work on that decade from now, you're being very foolish. Tonight your soul might be required of you today. Jesus called that man, that rich man a fool. Are you a fool? Has the Lord been dealing with your heart, but you keep rejecting it, pushing it aside. I'll get right later. It's the Spirit of God speaking to your heart today. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. I'm going to pray. If the Lord's drawing you to himself, the only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that paid the price and reconciled us to God. can't do it on your own. It's foolish to even think you could. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, if there's any here today, I pray, Father, don't let them be a fool, the biggest fool of all, to live like tomorrow's guaranteed, to live, maybe believe in God, but live like they'll never have to answer to Him. I ask you, Jesus, if there's any here today that's lost and they know it, They've been a fool, but they can change their life right now through the blood of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, just as you touched the life of little children this week, I pray that you'd touch the life we all have to become as a little child to truly become fit for the kingdom of heaven. It takes humility. It takes brokenness. It takes repentance. It takes laying down your pride and trying to do things your way. You know every heart and every life. Before we leave here today, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we leave here today, I thought we would pray for Brother Chester. Brother Chester, if you come on down here. Brother Chester is fixing to go back to Vietnam end of the week. Uh, Brother Chester fought in Vietnam fought the enemy, and, them and his ter- him and sister Beverly have spent a good bit of their lives trying to reach the ones they used to fight against. Let's pray for them. That, uh, Brother Chester told me the other day at the funeral, he said it might be, maybe not, but it might be his last trip over there. Uh, if it is or not, let's pray. We, pr- we heard from Brother Gil last week of Mozambique. Let's pray for God to uh, anoint and uh, use them, use him while he's over there one more time. And have-